Health and healthcare have been at the forefront of the 2020 presidential campaign since before the COVID-19 pandemic hit in the United States, making the issue even more important to voters. According to a Pew Research poll, 68% of voters said healthcare was a very important issue to them. The only issue they found more important was the economy. Welcome to Bronx Connections, Election 2020 Local Lens. I'm Elliot Chaparelli, reporter and anchor at WFUV. That's the NPR affiliate station based on the Rose Hill campus of Fordham University in the Bronx. And this is the third episode in a five-part series where we're covering issues in the 2020 presidential election that will affect the Bronx. It's all part of a joint initiative between WFUV, BronxNet Television, and Norwood News. In a heated exchange at the first presidential debate, President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden discussed their differing plans to reform health care. President Trump, who has worked to dismantle the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare since he took office, believes a free market system would help drive down drug prices. I'm cutting drug prices. I'm going with favored nations, which no president has the courage to do because you're going against big pharma. Drug prices will be coming down 80 or 90 percent. You could have done it during your 47-year period in government, but you didn't do it. Nobody's done it. <laughs> but if elected, Biden wants to expand on the Affordable Care Act and create a public health insurance option for the lowest-income Americans. That you would like to add a public option to Obamacare, and yes. the argument that he makes and other Republicans make is that that is going to end private insurance. It is and not. Well, if I can ask you the question, it will Not end. What your party says, by the way, it will end private insurance and create a government takeover of health care. It does not. It's only that. for those people who are so poor they qualify for Medicaid. They can get that free in most states, except governors who want to deny people who are poor Medicaid. Anyone who qualifies for Medicare would, excuse me, Medicaid would automatically be enrolled in the public option. At the moment, one of the greatest threats to Americans and Bronx residents' health is the coronavirus pandemic. 62% of voters said it was a very important issue to them. In April, New York City and the Bronx became one of the hardest hit places by the pandemic. Over 3,000 people died in the Bronx alone. Just after the debate, President Trump himself tested positive for COVID-19. The next day, he was admitted to Walter Reed Military Hospital. Upon his release, he had this message for the country. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. Vanessa Gibson is the city council member for the 16th district in the Bronx. She finds the president's messaging insulting given the disparity in care between his treatment and that of her constituents. We all know that he has access to the highest level of health experts. So no matter what he's affected by, he will always be taken care of. Not my average grandmother who lives in Highbridge, who doesn't have health care, right? That lives in a building with no elevator, has to walk up and down the steps every day, 
or my mother of three struggling to survive and take care of her kids, dealing with asthma and diabetes, right? That's our reality for us in the Bronx. In my conversation with Councilmember Gibson, she went deeper into this and other health issues in the Bronx, like access to primary care and healthy food. start by asking, what do you think the biggest barrier to obtaining health care is in your district? So I think the biggest challenge in many residents in District 16 obtaining access to affordable, low cost and quality health care is really the infrastructure of the health care system. Many residents who are low income on fixed income working people, uh, many of their employees do provide a full access to a health care plan, but many individuals are underinsured, they are uninsured, they have no access to a primary care doctor. So what you have are many families that use emergency rooms as their form of primary care, which is not acceptable. Uh, we need to have a consistent pattern of sustainable health care that reaches all families, especially immigrant families and undocumented residents in their families. And I think in this climate, when so many immigrant families and un un undocumented residents are so fearful of going to the doctor, of going to a hospital or any sort of setting because of this federal government's policies around immigration and so many of the stories you hear around deportation, you find many families that are living with health care issues that just don't get addressed. And for us in the Bronx, health care disparities is nothing new. Unfortunately, we've been plagued with health disparities for decades of our lives, and it's not acceptable. We are number 62 out of all 62 counties in the state of New York when it comes to healthy, positive, good health outcomes. And that means that most residents in the Bronx are affected by asthma, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. And these are all preventable diseases. So what we have to do as a community is not only work with our hospital partners like Health and Hospitals, North Central Bronx, Jacoby, Lincoln, St. Barnabas, Bronx Care, Montefiore, uh, which are our hospital institutions, but we also have to work on a local level with our CBOs, with our community partners like Urban Health, Union Healthcare, Morris Heights Health Center. These are neighborhood health centers that provide a level of service. And if you are undocumented, if you are an immigrant, if you don't have insurance, they will still see you for primary care. A lot of the work has been focused on COVID-19 as well as health and wellness and wellness checks with their existing clients because of the pandemic. But we really have to do more because today's healthcare system does not reach every single resident that it should. Absolutely. So what impact has corona have you seen in your district from coronavirus on those pre-existing health issues? Too many of my constituents have lost their battle with COVID-19. They have died. Uh, many of them have been hospitalized and put on ventilators and unfortunately did not make it. Many of them did make it and are on the road to recovery. They are survivors of the COVID-19 pandemic, but they still have the same underlying issues that were exacerbated by a COVID-19 uh, diagnosis in the first place. Um, it's been hard. Um, I think many families, uh, one in every four Bronx residents has a job in the hotel and retail industry. So many families lost income, they lost their employment, they were furloughed, they were laid off. Uh, while many are essential workers that were working through the pandemic, uh, those are the teachers, educators, you know, many of our public servants that work at city agencies, many of them are working 
right? But many were not. Um, and so when you lose income, when you fall behind in rent, when you have trouble accessing basic necessities like food and shelter, it becomes a real hardship. So food pantries and soup kitchen lines were much longer. You saw a lot of food distributions that we hosted elected officials with many of our community partners like Fresh Direct, like Met Council, Eat Clean Bro, so many organizations that really stepped up and provided a critical need. Uh, it's, it, it's been devastating. It's been devastating when you see, you know, seniors that are lacking the basic necessities. And that's been our reality over the last several months. I know you touched on this a little bit before, but what health and healthcare programs currently exist that Bronx residents can access? So obviously, uh, Medicaid is the uh, most accessible plan. Um, if you are on government assistance uh, and you are income eligible, you can get access to Medicaid, which will provide you with medical and dental and vision care. Uh, there are a number of state-sponsored and city-sponsored healthcare programs. The city of New York has NYC Care, which is a program we launched, I believe, two years ago. It was launched in the Bronx, and we have enrolled thousands of New Yorkers in this healthcare plan that provides them with basic primary care, which is extremely important. Uh, another program that we launched during the pandemic is the PEBT program, which grants up to $420 per school-age child uh, that our families have. It gives them additional SNAP benefits, which allows them money on their SNAP card so they can purchase food uh, for themselves and their children. That's been a great, great program. The Get Food NYC program sponsored by the city is a free program where you are able to get food delivered to your home. If you are medically frail, you are homebound, you're physically unable to get food yourself, you're able to get food delivered to your home week on week. Um, there are a number of other programs, obviously, through the city of New York. Um, public assistance benefits, obviously, where you get cash benefits. That's been a great help. Unemployment benefits have been extended and the uh, award has been increased to $600 thanks to the state of New York. So there have been efforts underway to try to cover a lot of the gaps in service, so to speak, where families have lost income. Uh, but really around health care, I think it is a reminder of some of the challenges that the Bronx has already faced. We had health disparities pre-COVID, during COVID, and we'll have them post-COVID. So we have to identify more creative ways and really reach those families that are the most in need. What changes would you like to see at the state and national level going forward that would help the Bronx and your district access care? I'd like to see more funding from the federal government. That would be a huge help and a huge boost. Um, you know, the Department of Agriculture that really oversees the SNAP benefits program. Um, you know, we have a lot of families that it's based on eligibility where they don't get enough in SNAP benefits because they're over income and they're still poor. They're working poor or they are retired and they just don't have sufficient income. So I'd like to see more money put in the federal budget to, to really provide more services and support for SNAP recipients. I'd also like to see more uh, protections in healthcare, particularly around those that have pre-existing conditions. You've heard that term before. Uh, one of, you know, my aunt passed away because she was a kidney dialysis patient and she never got the kidney transplant she needed because we couldn't get her health insurance. We couldn't get her life insurance because she had pre-existing conditions. So a lot of these things are at the federal level where there have to be changes in policy. 
Uh, they really do not discriminate against people that are elder, that are older, that have underlying health conditions where you're potentially more of a risk, right? You're high risk and no one wants to take a chance on you. That's probably the most alarming because so many of our residents, they have something. Uh, if they're not diabetic, they have high blood pressure. They usually have cholesterol too. I mean, a lot of these ailments go hand in hand. Um, I'd really like to see more in our borough, more focused on access to healthy foods. That's why Councilmember Torres and I allocated almost $40,000 into the Health Bucks program because these $2 coupons incentivize residents to use our farmer's markets and green markets. I'm actually going to a farmer's market tomorrow to distribute health bucks over at McKinley Square because we have to keep encouraging people to eat healthier. For every supermarket, we have almost 29 bodegas. So we have to change the environment. We have to change the climate, but we also have to offer something better. Healthy food should not be more expensive. We have to find a way to rid our neighborhoods of some of the processed poison that we see that, you know, is kind of, you know, gravitates towards us because it's the only thing available. And even fast food these days, fast food is expensive these days and it's not healthy. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, we have a lot of bad neighbors. They can do better if they're shown better. Farmers markets should be all year round. We should focus on urban agriculture and farming. I have a farm on the campus of Forest Houses. I have a farm at Morris High School campus where children and students are growing fruits and vegetables, community gardens, like all of these things are great. And these products, this food goes directly into households in need and it goes to food pantries and soup kitchens. That was Councilmember Vanessa Gibson. She's also running for Bronx Borough President in next year's election. One of the biggest pushes in the Bronx and across the country has been to maintain social distancing and encourage people to wear masks. At a town hall shortly after President Trump returned to the White House from Walter Reed, Joe Biden repeated this. Masks matter. These masks, they matter. It matters, it saves lives. It prevents the spread of the disease. Social distancing. Instead of talking about what the only thing I heard was one of the tweets saying that, you know, don't be so concerned about all this, essentially. There's a lot to be concerned about. Dr. Margaret Aldrich is director of pediatric infection control at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. She's also encouraging her patients to wear masks. Her other advice, get a flu shot. You're right now urging people to go out and get their flu vaccines. What are vaccines and why are they so important? Um, a vaccine is really a preventative measure um, that uh, helps us kind of keep infectious diseases under control within our community. Um, and it's really important for people to understand with the flu vaccine, um, one of the things I hear from patients a lot is, oh, you know, I'm worried about getting the flu vaccine because I think I'm gonna, it gives me the flu. Um, and that's actually not exactly how the vaccine works. Um, almost any of the flu vaccines that you would get, the injection vaccines are not gonna actually be live virus. That's not a, an actual flu virus that you're getting. So you can't actually get the flu infection from the vaccine um, that you get the injection from. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, you can think of it as, as um, a mimicker 
you know, uh, of the of the actual infection. And what it does is it shows your body what that infection looks like so that your body can create its own um, kind of fighting defense mechanism to fight the actual infection when you do see it, when your body does get exposed to it. And why is it more important than ever this year to get a flu vaccine? What we worry about is that we still have SARS-CoV-2, we still have COVID in our community, and we worry that with the colder weather, people spending more time indoors, um, a little bit harder maybe to socially distance, um, we worry that the influenza virus will present itself at the same time that we still have coronavirus circulating. Um, and we actually don't know what that would look like. Um, we believe that people can get both infections at the same time. Um, and we worry that you know one infection could make the other worse. Um, so for now, we really only have a vaccine available for influenza. The other issue is that as many people probably know, the symptoms of the flu can look a lot like the symptoms of COVID. And for those of us who have children and we've sent our kids to school, maybe some of us, it's gonna be really hard to tell the difference if your child develops a fever, whether they were exposed to COVID or they picked up the flu or another respiratory illness. So it's even more important you know, for families with children, I think, to really think about and act on getting their flu vaccine for everyone in the household. What mechanisms and programs exist right now to get a flu vaccine out in the Bronx? Across the Bronx, I know um, pharmacies are able to provide vaccine and that often with for people who have insurance, the insurance will cover that generally. Um, for those who do not have insurance, you, it is generally self-pay. Um, but I do know that pharmacies are trying to make it affordable because it really is a public health issue. It's not just um, you know something that is kind of, oh, I feel like getting this. It's, it's really something that the entire city needs to do to protect yourself and your community. What else can people be doing to prevent these viruses from coming into their communities and households? A lot of it, we're hopeful, is kind of consistent with the social distancing that people have already been practicing for the last many months here in New York. But, you know, it's similar back to the basics, keeping your hands clean, hand sanitizer, hand washing for 20, 20 seconds, um, really using your mask whenever you're leaving your home, uh, whenever you're, you're going out of what you would consider your pod. Uh, whether that's, you know, your immediate family that you live with or um, the people that you cohabitate with. So anytime you're outside of that, you really need to wear a mask um, and do your very best to keep six feet distance from others, even with a mask. A lot of people think that if you're wearing your mask, oh, everything's good. I can just, you know, be up close to everybody with a mask. Every little thing that we do is reducing our risk. But you still want to try to keep a spatial distance because not every mask is perfect, you know, and especially many of us use cloth masks. We don't know with 100% certainty how well that's keeping um, our respiratory droplets out. 
we know that it's working to some degree because in New York City, we've gotten our rates down for the most part um, very well. And a lot of that has been from social distancing and masking um, as, far as, as far as I see and I understand it. Um, and I would say continuing with that, um, limiting indoor activities to the best of your ability, you know, getting into situations where you have many, many people in a room tightly packed, that's going to be, you know, a potential setup for transmission of either influenza or COVID. So trying to still limit that as much as you can is really recommended. Is there any chance that these social distancing measures will limit um, flu transmissions this year? We are hopeful um, that that will happen. Uh, you know, certainly the transmission is similar, we believe, between SARS-CoV-2 and influenza, you know, both respiratory viruses. Um, so we're hopeful and looking at some of the data coming from South Africa, Australia, um, Chile, they've had lower rates of flu, uh, but we are different, right? And you have to recognize that the United States and the Bronx is a very different society and community than some of those other countries. So the way that I approach it generally in my work is you're better being overprepared than underprepared. And part of being prepared is getting your influenza vaccine um, and making sure that you know there are opportunities to prevent infection before it's an issue. Um, and I think that's really important for people to realize that we do things differently here than other countries. And, you know, we can only take the data from other places, you know, with a little bit of caution, I would say, um, because we just don't know what, you know, what it'll be like here and how these viruses will behave in our communities. That was Dr. Margaret Aldrich of Montefiore. Access to primary and preventative care can be limited in the Bronx. Many residents are uninsured and many more are underinsured. Emblem Health is a nonprofit health insurance company that covers many people in the borough. I talked to Beth Leonard, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. Beth, what is the mission of Emblem Health? The mission of Emblem Health as a not-for-profit is to make sure that we're keeping our members, our customers, and the communities at large healthy. Emblem Health is a non-profit insurance company. What does that mean? It basically means is one of the largest not-for-profit health plans. We cover 3.2 million members in the tri-state area, and we have really an 80-year legacy of serving hardworking New Yorkers. In fact, we were founded to cover the very folks, police, fire, the building trades and those that were actually building New York City to make sure that they had healthcare coverage in case something happened. So our mission continues today, which is really that we wanna keep members healthy and well. If you're sick, we wanna provide coverage and access to the best primary and specialty care that you might need. But we also think it's really part of our mission to affect those other things that affect our health so much. And what do I mean by that? It means that when you are well, that you're managing any chronic condition like diabetes or asthma, that you have education resources. New York is so diverse, we're excited that most of our associates live and work right here. So we're able to speak your languages, make sure that we understand the nuances of the cultural differences that different groups within New York City might have. For example, we're working on a diabetes prevention program that instead of just that typical food pyramid you 
UC, we're really adjusting it to make sure it's culturally competent for the foods that certain ethnic groups eat so that you can help manage your chronic disease, prevent disease, but do so in a way that speaks best to you. And as a not-for-profit, anything that we're able to reinvest back in those members in communities is really what it's all about. How does a not-for-profit insurance company differ from other for-profit insurance companies? I can't speak to everyone, but in our case, it means that as we're able to, you know, obviously as a not-for-profit, you still have to have profit, but we reinvest it right back in our members or communities. So for example, right here in the Bronx, we partnered um, to create three primary and specialty care centers by the name of Bronx Docs. So we partnered with local experts because we recognized that there was a need for access to more primary and diverse care. So we went ahead and partnered and started three primary and specialty groups under the name of Bronx Docs. That's an example of how we're able to reinvest in the community. Just recently, we held a series with some elected officials that I think you were at one of, uh, food banks. And at those food bank events, we made sure that we were giving out healthy pantry items, fresh fruit and vegetables, to over 500 members of the community at each of those events. But we also made sure that folks were getting things like reusable masks, things that we know that especially during this COVID era is so important. We made sure that they had information about flu and the importance of getting the flu vaccine, but we didn't stop there. We also let them know that they could visit one of our Bronx Docs locations or some of our incredible partners like the Somos IPA, which has really dedicated itself to making sure that low income and diverse communities, especially in the Bronx and Northern Manhattan are taken care of. Those are the kind of partnerships that we're able to do as a not-for-profit given that we reinvest not to stake to shareholders, but back to our stakeholders, which in this case are our customers and our members. So are those Bronx Docs locations, are those neighborhood care centers or is that something different? No, that's a great, that's a great question. So neighborhood care is actually slightly different. So as part of our mission, we have 12 in-person customer care centers where you can walk in with your explanation of benefits or any other healthcare information that you might have. And we help you navigate what we understand can be a really complicated system. In addition to providing customer service for those folks that are Emblem Health members, we can also help schedule you a primary care appointment, help you get a specialist appointment, help you understand your benefits, more importantly, we also understand that social determinants of health are a really big part of what makes up healthcare, especially in areas like the Bronx. So how do you explain that when you have these pop-ups um, events out in the Bronx? How do you explain the importance of getting yourself covered and having health insurance? Because a lot of people living in the Bronx don't have health insurance right now. So certainly I think the most important is exactly what you hit on, what you hit on which is that we're in the community. We have, um, we're often at street fairs, we're at farmers markets, we're hosting, as I said, in partnership with elected officials, our own food bank and other community events. So we're meeting people where there are. We understand that people are juggling a lot of things and the likelihood that especially if you don't have insurance today, that you're gonna get on the phone, you're gonna get you know, on the computer, all of which are absolutely available to you. But more importantly, we really believe and we're doing so incredibly safely during this time. All of our team members wear masks and have gone through training on safety protocols, but we're still out in the community. We think it's really important to meet people where they are. And we start with a simple question, which is tell us about yourself. Tell us about your needs and your family. So often people making the healthcare decision are women who are taking care of whether it's children or other family members. And so we start simply with, 
who are you taking care of and how can we help you take care of them? And then we talk to them about the specific plans we have available, depending on their income level, number of children, number of older adults in the household, and try, and try and find a plan that best meets their needs. And I think that's one of the great things with Emblem is that, again, we offer plans for all situations. We have Child Health Plus, we have Medicaid, we have Medicare, we have things for your business. So we try and really meet you where you are. And I think it's also really important that our team members, again, are of the neighborhood. They understand the various challenges. And so we've made really sure, again, in the last couple of months, especially, that we're in the Bronx Docks locations, we're at the food banks, we're in the community, and really just starting those simple questions with, how are you and how can we help you? No matter who wins the presidency November 3rd, the coronavirus and other health issues will continue to dominate the national conversation. Join us next week where WFUV reporter Nora Thomas will discuss immigration. Special thanks to Councilmember Vanessa Gibson, Dr. Margaret Aldrich, and Beth Leonard for joining us. Thanks also to Sheila Maloney at Norwood News, Luis Roboletto and Michael Max, and everyone else at BronxNet, and to George Bodarkey and Robin Shannon at WFUV. To read, watch, and listen to more from Bronx Connections, go to norwoodnews.org, wfuv.org, or bronxnet.org. I'm Elliot Chaparelli. Thanks for watching. <laughs>